Welcome to the GPP podcast for budding politicos, policy wonks, and advocates. I'm Amy Heath Carpentier. And I'm Susan Craig. As career counselors in Washington University's Career Center and co-directors of the Government and Public Policy Workgroup, we walk alongside burgeoning policy wonks, politicos, and change agents as they chart their paths to change the world. This podcast is for you if you're interested in hearing tips and techniques that will position you to find your place in the fast-moving, mission-driven world of politics, policy, and advocacy. So let's get started with our inaugural episode. Today, we're talking about resumes. We're going to talk about why the resume is so important in the political and policy realms, how to format it, the difference between a resume and a CV, and how a federal resume is different. So Amy, why do you think a resume is so important in this field? So resumes are really important in this field because they give employers a snapshot of what you bring to the table, what you've done in the past, the skills, knowledge, and abilities you've accumulated over time, and what you offer to them and to the causes you care about the most. It also serves as a writing sample. And writing is one of the number one skills in policy and advocacy. And so to be able to show employers that you can articulate well what you bring is as important as how it is formatted. It's also, I think, an opportunity to just show what you care about, right? I mean, this field is so driven by your mission and what, you're, what you care about, what you want to do to change the world. And so if you can show that in your resume, I think it's really um, beneficial. But I think it's also important to remember that everybody has opinions about it, um, resumes, right? And it's a very subjective document. So just remember that everyone will give you different opinions about it and that you need to keep it living. It's not a static one and done sort of assignment. You need to um, keep changing it and adjusting it depending on the employer or depending upon how your experience has changed. So let's get started and talk a bit about formatting, Susan. What do you think about the length? of a resume. I am a big believer in the one-page resume. How about you? I'm the same way. Most undergraduates, even if they have considerable research experience and then would be on the verge of a CV-style resume, which we'll get to in a moment, at this stage, you really should have a one-page resume. You can highlight everything you need to do within that space, particularly for government policy and advocacy. And to go back to your point about, you know, being a writing sample, um, in this in this field, it's really important to be able to convey big ideas in a small space. And so what better way to show that, right, than in a resume? Exactly. So let's talk a bit about the headings. Sometimes in business headings or business resumes, the headings will be broken up such that you have, you know, paid experience in one part and activities in another. But in these fields, in the government policy and the advocacy space, we think you should customize your headings to, cus- to emphasize your strengths. And so the top third of your resume is where you should put your most relevant experience. And so you can, you know, adjust that space whatever way will show what the experience that's most relevant to the opportunity that you're applying for. So you might have your first heading be education, and then your second heading might be relevant experience or professional experience to allow you to bring up and down the activities or the jobs that you think is most relevant to the position. So in other words, what you're saying is pick the experience that you think is most reflective of your skills or your, how you're positioned for the job, right? And just put it at the top and then figure out a title <laughs> that makes sense. Exactly. And you don't have to have been paid for that. If you were really involved on campus in a particular advocacy 
kind of role or in your student group, you have been putting on events and things, maybe that's the most important and most relevant and that's fine. So I know you have strong thoughts about using leadership as one of those titles. Exactly. Leadership is often placed on a resume that as you come into college and if you are have a, you know, if you're using a leadership section on your resume at this stage, you may want to really consider whether or not the experiences that you would list underneath that. And most students list their experiences that are, you know, student group oriented. At that point, it probably can go under relevant or professional experience rather than leadership. It's a little presumptuous to be putting a leadership experience underneath there, when in fact the people who are going to be maybe reviewing your resume at some point are really leaders in the field. Agreed. And you can still convey some leadership experience without having to title it in such an um, overt way. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about, because um, we have conflicting opinions about the kind of uh, objective statement or that, you know, a sentence or two at the top. Share your thoughts on that. So just remember, as we said, resumes are subjective documents and people have different thoughts on these. So we're going to share both and you can figure out what you think. So objective statements have their roots in engineering resumes. Engineers never wrote cover letters for, for many, many years. They just didn't write cover letters. So they had this objective statement at the top. I feel like as an undergrad, it's probably wasted space for you unless you want to create some kind of summary that explains where and where you're going. But in general, I think an objective statement is just extra space that you're taking up that you could possibly bring a more important, relevant, or professional experience into that top third of your resume. But I know that there are certain circumstances under which you would disagree with that, Susan. Yeah, so I tend to like that experience, and I don't like it being called objective. I, I don't even like a label on it. I just kind of like um, almost like a LinkedIn summary, one of those really good um, kind of en- encapsulating sentences that, that has some important keywords in it. If there's a, a disconnect between your resume and the job description, I think that that statement can really help to bridge that gap. I also think, and we'll talk about this when we talk about federal resumes, but I think if there are some important keywords that you want to highlight, it's a good place to do that. I agree with you, particularly for graduate students. And I know you see a number of students that are transitioning fields and using their graduate degrees to do that, particularly in the international affairs program. So in that case and situation, I would be much more pro that kind of summary statement at the top. So just a few more um, thoughts about formatting before we move on. Um, Generally, high school experience is is okay to keep on your resume for, I don't know, what, a couple of years. I kind of think by the time you're like a junior or a senior, it should be falling off. What do you think? I completely agree with that. Oftentimes what you're doing by the time you're in a junior year, you have enough to put on that resume that you don't need to have those experiences from high school anymore. The only way I would change that or adjust that would be if the high school experience, say you, you did a, a Hill internship between high school and college, or you did something that was such a standout, significant experience that you really needed it on there. Uh, but that should be decided in consultation with someone 
in the career center or one of your advisors just to make sure it still it still applies because there is a way in which you know our accomplishments become wrapped up in our storyline and sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees um, if you will in terms of what's most significant in our own background and resumes and the last thing um, that we should just discuss quickly is the the interest section that you might have at the very bottom that kind of says some things, some more personal things about you maybe that is just like indicates what some of your, um, what, how you would use your free time. Right. And I think um, that often comes off as you start to get um, the space, right. starts to get pretty tight. It's like more superfluous. And so you think you can take that off, but I, um, and I think you agree. I like the interest section, um, not a long one, but just a line that has some, um, insights into who you are, especially if those um, experiences are, you know, helpful for you in, you know, performing in front of an audience or um, demonstrating some like flexibility in certain situations, or, you know, often it's even just like a nice way to connect with somebody in a, in a personal way over an, in, during an interview. I know, you know, for this field, most, um, jobs have a really, really big stack of resumes, right? So if you can set yourself apart somehow, it might be through the interest section. I agree. I think a couple of, you know, well-selected interests in there makes a ton of sense. And just as an example, I have an alum who does stand up on the side and he's used that numerous times and people have responded well to it because He's in a position sometimes to need to present or to engage an audience in his work. And given that he's willing to get up and do that kind of thing, you know, it always, it makes him stand out. For sure. And it definitely demonstrates that you can operate in a pretty high intensity environment under, with some grace and a good humor. Exactly. Let's talk about a resume versus a CV. So this is a little complicated for most people to understand. So let's just set out some some basics. A resume in the United States is what you would use to apply for most positions. The resume is usually one page and um, we would submit that for most positions. Now, a CV in the United States is the term we would use for an academic resume. So those are often used in the medical field, or in academia, you know, when we apply to teach, we may use a CV. They also may be used for researchers in a think tank setting. The reason I tell you this is that you may go online and see, please submit your CV. If it's a smaller size think tank, or if it's a UK, Ireland, you know, in some cases European setting, in those cases, they have very specific differences in what those resumes may look like. Um, and they might call them CVs because that's what they call a resume over in the UK, for example. Don't get flustered by that. Um, you can apply with your standard resume. However, if you have questions about how to apply using you know, the resume or CV guidelines of other countries, WashU has some great resources for you. There is a website called Going Global um, off the Career Center website that we subscribe to. And you can go in there and look at what resumes look like in Belgium and get a sense of what you might want to do to format your resume specifically for another country. 
Okay, so let's chat um, for a few minutes about a federal resume because we just gave you all this advice about how to format your resume in a very tight, concise, one-page way. And um, now I'm going to tell you to throw all that out when it comes to a federal resume. Um, so they're all, they can all be a little different, but many federal resumes ask for all sorts of information that you wouldn't otherwise include on your resume, like previous supervisor names or even phone numbers, um, number of hours worked per week, what you were paid. Um, and so you have to, first of all, be pay very close attention to those details that they ask for and include every single piece of it. Because if you don't, um, it's just a reason for your resume to be screened from the stack by the computer that's looking at it. Um, so it's going to turn into kind of an ugly, clunky, multi-page document, which is, you know, kind of the opposite of what we just told you. But that's okay, because your resume is not being looked at by a set of real eyes um, on the first go around. It's being um, screened by an algorithm. So the important thing is to make sure that, one, you have all of those fields filled in that they've asked you for. And then the second piece of advice is to um, really pay close attention to keywords. So you need to read first the um, qualifications and then the job description very carefully and identify what are the keywords, what are they looking for, and then make sure that your um, experience reflects those keywords specifically, not just like close to them, but actual words, because that is what is going to um, you know, determine whether or not your resume gets seen by a real set of eyes. It's a kind of arduous process, I would say. Um, and it's probably good to have, if you're applying to both federal and non-federal positions, to have kind of two versions, you know, a federal resume and a non-federal resume. Um, and once you've done it once, it gets a lot easier to apply to multiple positions. So one tip that I would give for Anytime you have to throw a big resume like that together and you're really going to be looking for keywords to get around an algorithm is to put your, uh, the job description you're looking at into a word cloud generator. You can put, put in on you know, Google word cloud generator and it will pull up a number of options and you can go in there, drop the text from the, the job uh, posting or the resume or the resume posting and it will pull up all of the keywords. And then you can kind of see what keywords they may be looking for on the federal resume. So let's talk a little bit about getting started with a resume. So the first thing we want to say is that if you are coming in with your resume that you created for your you know, college application, or if you're a senior and you've been locked into this format for a while and you want to just, you know, make a new one, it's fine to start over. Sometimes we get so stuck in the way that a resume is formatted that, you know, we just maybe, maybe just want to start over from the beginning. Which might be painful to hear, right? Because um, you do, you invest so many hours in the, you know, just getting all the work, you know, getting the lines to the right length and taking a word here and there to make, to lessen the space. And it's daunting, right? I mean, and once you've invested all that time, you get really, you get attached to it. So <laughs> it's a tough, tough advice to hear, but it might be helpful if you're really struggling with um, how to, how to reformat it or how to rethink it. So the other thing to keep in mind when you're starting your resume is that we have also seen a number of seniors who will send their resumes to their communication design friends to have them 
help format them or reformat them to look better. And while they do often come out presenting really well, there are some issues with the way that those resumes end up uh, being parsed through the sometimes antiquated online (laughs) systems uh, that both the federal government and smaller nonprofits, um, smaller think tanks may have. And so you want to be really careful about handing your resume over to someone to have them design it. This, unless, of course, you are a designer, in which case the resume does represent your design skills, and maybe there are many designers that want to go into government policy and advocacy and bring those skills to bear. And so that's a little different thing. But when you are applying for an internship with the ACLU or an internship with the State Department, they're not looking at your resume to see how well you designed it. They're looking at your resume to see what, how you articulated what skills, knowledge, and abilities you have to offer. Okay? So the whole point of getting started with a resume is just to get the experiences on the page. Write when you write, format and edit when you edit. Just get, as, get the experiences on the page. Take a little break and then come back and revise using action verbs to begin each bullet. So if you're looking for some feedback, which is always a good idea, and I would recommend getting feedback from a number of different sources, right? I mean, your parents, your roommates, um, some other people who are interested in the similar fields who have a a knowledge about what you're thinking about and what the field looks like. Um, And a great place to start are the career peers. And you can chat with the career peers on our Career Center website, Um, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Central and 12 to 3 on Saturday and Sunday. And it's a pretty cool feature and they are super responsive and I would recommend taking advantage of all they have to offer. So join us next time as we discuss timelines and internship and search strategies. And spoiler alert, internship and job openings don't come to you. You have to go to them. But the good news is we've got plenty of time in the year. So until next time, keep working to make your imprint on the world. Thanks, Susan. Take care.